been a great day. It's been a great day already, and we're excited. Hey, listen, in your chair today, you've probably found a card next to you. Hey, Trent, will you hold that up real quick? Just hold it up, turn it around so everybody can see it like that. Hey, listen, we, we, we're crazy here at 1910. We're always trying new things, and, 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 and we do things that sometimes to some people may not make sense. Uh, but you need to know that we pray through things and we really get a calling from God before we really launch out and do anything. One of those is, is coming up this summer. We're going to take a break from our normal Sunday night worship experience at 6 o'clock. And what we're going to do is we're going to open up this house and, and for, for four different discipleship opportunities for you. You know that we're called to make disciples, not converts. Is that right? Now, we lead people to Jesus, but then we're called as a church to disciple and grow and mature believers, right? And so this summer, here's what we're going to do. Starting on June the 12th, uh, on Sunday nights, you're going to have an opportunity to, to choose from four different discipleship venues, parenting, book study on the book of James, my life in Christ, spiritual giftings. There are going to be so many great opportunities for you uh, to, to plug into. And we believe that it's going to strengthen us who we are as a church. It's going to strengthen our core. And I believe it's going to make us better. Who's with me? And so here's what we want to encourage you to do. You've got the, some information kind of just throwing it out to you today for the first time. Next Sunday and the couple of weeks after that, you're going to have an opportunity to register and sign up for one of these discipleship venues to be a part of. And so we want to encourage you as a, as a family to begin talking about that and, and praying about that. And we hope that you'll make Sunday nights a, 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 a priority to come and, and just be discipled uh, uh, as, we, as we grow together in the Lord. We're excited about it. It's going to be a great, great time. So listen, today we want to pray for a church. And, and we pray for churches every Sunday here at, at 1910. And today I want us to pray for this house, if that's okay. I want to say, I almost feel a little bad asking for that, but here's why I'm asking you to pray for, for our church. Uh, tonight, after our evening worship service, our, our, our staff will be leaving to go away for, for three days. So I actually wore this shirt to kind of give you an indication as to where we're going. Anybody know? No, we're going to Granite Shoals, right there between Marble Falls and Kingsland, the booming metropolis, the garden spot of Texas, right there. It's gorgeous. It's gorgeous. Actually, it is gorgeous. We're, we're excited to go there. But for the next three days, we're going to spend some time as a staff praying and seeking the Lord and just asking him, hey, God, what do you want to do with your house, with your church? You know this is his, right? Okay, good. I thought I was at the wrong place. No, this is his. I'm like, wow, my heart stopped. Lord, what have we done for 10 years? This belongs to him. And so we want to seek him and press into him and just kind of get away and focus on him for the next three days. And so I'm just asking if you guys would pray for our team. We're blessed here with a great team. You know that, right? We're blessed. And so would you just pray for us as we get away and press in and seek the Lord and, and ask him, hey, God, where is it you're wanting us to go? What do you want us to do? Listen, we believe that God's doing new things. He's a God that does new things, right? Scripture says he makes all things new. If any man is in Christ, he is a old fart. No, says he's a new creation. Old things pass away. All things become new, right? God's doing a new thing. And so we, we don't want to rest on the past. We don't want to settle on our laurels. We want to move forward with the new things that God has for us. And here's what I prayed earlier this morning too. You know that God still must have some work for us to do because we're here right now. We're alive today. Right? You get that, right? If God was finished, 
if, if heaven was at full capacity right now, you know the trumpet would have already sounded and we wouldn't be sitting here right now. We'd be sitting at the feet of Jesus. But here's the deal. You're still here on earth. You know what that means to me? May not mean this. Here's how I take that. There must be something this day that God wants me to do to advance his kingdom. I need to use this day wisely. I need to use it for his glory. And so, listen, I just believe that God's not finished with this church. That the story that I read to you earlier about the life change of that lady, I I believe that there are hundreds. In fact, how many of your lives have been changed as a result of 10 years? This church, something has happened in your life. Hands all across this room. Listen, God's not finished. He's not finished. And we need to continue to seek him and press into him and move forward, okay? We could, as a staff, just copy the church down the street if y'all want us to and not go anywhere. But no, we want to press in. We want to see what God wants to do. And so pray for us, if you don't mind. Grab somebody's hand, in fact, this morning, if you would. And can we pray for the church right now? Lord Jesus, thank you so much for who you are and what you're doing. And God, this story that we read and shared today about this lady whose life has been changed, Lord, I I know that there are hundreds of others we could share the same story. God, I want to thank you for, for the change that you bring in people's lives. God, you do it. A church doesn't do it. Music doesn't do it. Relationships don't do it with others. No, God, you change people. You're you're the only one that's able to take something broken, tattered, bruised, and restore it and make it new. And you've done that. You continue to do that in lives each and every day. God, you've done it today here already. Thank you, Father, for changing people's lives. Father, I want to pray for our team as we get away for the next three days and as we press in and as we seek you. Lord, we believe that there's still a great calling on on your house here. Lord, we believe that you've got great plans and visions. There's a direction you have for us that is, it's, it's awesome. It's big. God, it's a big, a work so big that it's gonna require supernatural work of you in order to pull it off. Lord, I wanna be a part of that. Don't you, church? Lord, I wanna be a part of something that man can't do. I want to be a part of something that's going to require supernatural, big work of God in order to see it come about. So, Father, I pray for our team. As we press in this week, Lord, would you make yourself known? Show us who you are. Show us where you want us to go. And I think I know our team well enough. Lord, we want to go with you. With you. God, I want to thank you for this church, the people here, Father, that make this so much fun for us people that are shining your light in the darkest corners of the hill country, saints that are, that are eat up with you and love you, Lord, and they want to tell others your story. I thank you for this church. Thank you for the creativity that you've placed here. God, for the willingness to go where no man has gone before. Thank you, God. And God, may we continue to be that church. I pray When you look at this house, your house, and God, what you see, I pray that it brings a smile to your face. I pray that we are a bride that you delight in. Oh, thank you, God. We love you, don't we, church? Jesus, we love you, and it is so fun to gather with others and just lift high your name. Holy Spirit, continue to work in this moment now as we open up your word. Challenge us with it. Change us with it. 
Let us leave here renewed, ready to go live for you. In Jesus' name, everybody said amen. Amen. We are in a series entitled Hanging Tough. Hanging Tough. Over the next few weeks, we're going to be issuing five challenges to you. Something that we call the Pledge of Connection. Listen, I really believe that environments like this ought to be the most attractive environments in every city across our nation. I believe that the church of Jesus Christ ought to be a place that people long to be a part of. But too many people, sad to say, are like the lady in this story. They've had their backs turned on them when they've walked into places like this. Shame on us, church. This ought to be the, uh, a place that people can't wait to get to on the weekends or, or during the week. You don't have to wait on the weekends. You know we're here every day, right? We are. A place that is accepting of others, a place where love is issued, where hope is offered, a place where the truth is delivered. So this thing called the Pledge of Connection that we've had with us, a part of us from the very beginning, are five challenges. And we believe that through each one of these challenges, if we will live these out, this place will become attractive to people outside this house. We're going to like it too. We started last week with the first challenge. I accept the challenge to live in truth with you. Now, the truth is not whatever we as a staff say or make up or say this is what we need to do. No, the truth is Jesus. In fact, Jesus said in John chapter 14, verse 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life, right? Jesus called himself the truth. And we want to keep the things about this house We want to keep it about Jesus, who is the truth. You know, the enemy has a field day in too many churches. He weasels his way in, and he causes divisions and strife over silly little things, things that are not about the truth, things like the color of the carpet. Remember, that's why we put concrete in here, because we didn't want you guys arguing over, I just wish they would have gone with a darker color. I would have put shag in here if they would have let me. But so many, we, we, we argue about the church times and the styles of music and the pastor dressing in floral shirts. I mean, we argue about, so, and I think the enemy has a field day, right? So here's the deal. We want to keep it about Jesus. We want to keep it about Jesus. He is the truth. We want to continue to sing about him, lift him up, look at his word, right? Seek him in our decisions. We want to move in the truth. Here's the second challenge today. The new challenge I want to offer us this day, and it's challenge number two. I accept the challenge to give you grace. Say grace. I accept the challenge to give you grace. Now that word grace has been defined in so many different ways. But for our context today and in settings like this, when we talk about grace, we're speaking of God's grace. And we're thinking of how he has sent his son Him giving us his son for our salvation. Isn't God gracious? He's gracious. And he sent his son, he gave his son to us for our salvation. My favorite definition, I think, of of grace is God giving us what we don't deserve. So many people get bent out of shape because they feel like God doesn't answer their prayer the, the way that they want it answered. But I'm telling you, I'm so thankful that God doesn't give us what we do deserve, you know, because that would be the opposite of grace. 
You see, we deserve hell. We deserve to be punished for the way that we've destroyed his beautiful creation. In fact, it's probably pretty safe for me to say that there might be at least one person that's been on this campus today that has done something that hurt God's heart this week. In fact, I'll just go ahead and admit it. It was me. You guys probably have been perfect. Thank you, saints. Saints, thank you. But, but listen, we, God doesn't give us what we deserve. He gives us what we don't deserve. That's grace. We deserve the punishment of hell. But God graciously has bestowed the gift of his son. And so knowing that God gives us grace, knowing that he's given us his son, that he's not given us what we do deserve, that should cause us to seek then, to to ask him, God, how can we in turn be dispensers of the same grace that you've given us? How can we show grace to others the way that you've shown it to us? Are you with me today? I love this passage of scripture in Colossians chapter 4, verse 6. It says this, let your conversation be what? Gracious and attractive. You ever thought about your conversation being attractive? And I'm not talking about, you know, talking like Barry White to your wife or your girlfriend. But your words can be attractive to people. Don't you like to be around people who use attractive language? They're just encouragers, right? Don't, is there somebody that when you're around them, you, you feel like the king of the world just being with them after they speak to you? They build you up? Let your conversation be gracious and attractive so that you will have the right response for everyone. Now listen, we don't save people. We cannot bring or give somebody the gift of salvation. We can talk about it. We can offer it to them, but it's Jesus that saves people, right? Jesus saves people. Church doesn't, you don't, Jesus saves, right? Isn't that what the rainbow-haired dude would hold up? Jesus saves? Or John 3, 16, right? I think that says that somewhere, kind of loosely. Jesus saves people, but here's what we can do. Through our conversations, we can issue grace to people. We, We can be kind and gracious to them. And so when we say that we want to be a church that accepts the challenge to give each other grace, here's what we're saying. We want to show grace to others in a matter of dealing kindly with them. Showing grace to others is a matter of dealing kindly with them, even if they don't deserve it. Is that not how God has treated us? Right. We didn't deserve it but yet he offers us grace. Grace. Man, it is a difficult thing to understand. I think every one of us in this room would say we all want to receive grace. The hard part is giving it, isn't it? (laughs) We all want it, but man, it's hard giving it. I I, I know that when I'm wronged, I, I want to settle everything. I want to settle it all. This whole thing, an eye for an eye, it's, it's hard. It's, it's like a slot machine, isn't it? Even when you win a few bucks here or there, it seems like the, in the end, the house always takes more than, than, than what it pays out. Sometimes we just want vengeance, right? Vengeance, though, is like a boomerang. When it goes around, it comes around. And so many of us are carrying around hatred, bitterness. We've been wronged and We're letting that just hover above us kind of like a cloud over Eeyore in a Winnie the Pooh cartoon, right? 
And it's bothering us and it's caused division. It's caused us to look, to, look at somebody even in, in this room today, maybe just a little bit differently because, oh, they just did something. Man, I would not have done it that way. And they hurt us. Guys, in order for us to ever be healed, in order for us to, I believe, break the bondage, we sang about we've been set free and we talked about no longer a slave to fear. Some of us are a slave to hatred, bitterness, and rage, and there's anger within us. And in order for us to break that, somebody's going to have to lay down the spear. You see, that's the only way to break the chain. You're going to have to issue grace. Now, I know that that there are times in in which we have to assume arms. And I know that there are times in which we need police. And I know that there are times in which we need order and we need courageous people to stand up against tyranny. I get that. There are times in which we may need to even personally defend ourselves. But what we don't need are vendettas. They solve nothing. They, They serve nothing. And vendettas only destroy. Now, I don't want you to think that I'm speaking from a high horse today. I told you already that I struggle. It's hard for me with grace. Grace is really hard for me. But I don't think I'm alone in this conversation, am I? (laughs) Because I think for some of us, sometimes it's hard for us as well. But you need to know, sometimes I feel grudges. Sometimes I get angry. Sometimes I have fear. I don't want my enemies to to trample over me. I I don't like injustices that I see going on around. But I'm telling you, even in all those moments, I'm reminded that grace is still the answer. You see, grace heals. Grace hopes. Grace is still the answer for, for all the problems because grace overcomes And I have to be reminded that it's grace that takes away and takes care of my sin. And so when I'm reminded of how I've been treated and how I've been responded to time and time again, I'm reminded that grace is right. It's the right approach. You see, it's through grace that we're freed from the control of hatred. This morning in our first service, we were visiting with some, some ladies that are here in a, in a recovery program, and, and they were sharing with us, hey, what you talked about today is step number four in the 12-step process that we work through. And it's a process where these ladies are having to write letters or make phone calls or at some point make personal visits to people to issue them grace. Hey, I wronged you, and I'm asking you, for grace. You see, grace breaks the hatred. And for some of you here today, in order for you to break that bondage of, of, of bitterness, or it's, you're going to have to lay down the spear. Why is it so hard to do? Why is grace such a, a hard thing to give? Maybe it's because we, we really don't understand it. We don't know how we can apply it. How do you, you lay down the spear? Well, we need an example. Well, I, I think, of course, the greatest example, we've talked about him a lot already today, and I'm just going to mention his name again. His name is Jesus. I think he is the greatest example of what grace is more than all others. 
mean, think about it. He paid for the sins of the whole world, past, present, and even the future. All of them. He paid for our sins at his own expense. I believe that he stands as the first and the primary example of God's grace. But I'm just going to tell you, it can be hard to relate to his example to ourselves. It's hard. He's Jesus. <laughs> I mean, who, who can really be like Jesus, and I know we talk about it and say we want to emulate him. That was our word for the year last year. And, but, 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 but we will never truly ever be exactly like him. And so if, how can we then, who is, is there someone else? Well, I found another person. When I think of grace, a, a normal follower of Jesus, a normal human being that, that might give us a little bit of hope and encouragement that, that we too can be grace givers. I found him in the book of Acts chapter 6. His name is Stephen. In fact, I want to encourage you this week, if you're looking for, for something to read this week in order to spend time with the Lord, read Acts chapters 6 and 7. Read, read about Stephen and, and who he was and, and, and what was happening to him in, in 6 and ultimately what happened to him in 7. But, but, but I want to just read some, give you the Cliff Notes version. How many of you survived college on Cliff Notes? Yeah, you lazy people. Don't do the work. How many of you paid, ever paid somebody else to type a paper? Ridiculous. Father, forgive all the lazy people. No, just kidding. Stephen. I, I love what we read. One of the first things we read about Stephen in Acts chapter 6, verse 8, it says this. Stephen, he was a man full of God's grace and power, performed amazing miracles and signs among the people. That, that, that sentence, that one verse right there, I think, defines Stephen for us. I mean, it, it's, it's what is significant enough about him that we read about him. We read his story in Scripture. That one verse tells us. Have you ever thought about if something was written, if there was a verse written about you in the Bible, what would it say? Now, I know that there's no cuss words in the Bible, so I don't know if I'd get a verse, right? what it would say about me, but, but you ever thought about that? This one verse, we get a snapshot. We, we, we kind of get the idea of who Stephen is. Man, he is full of God's grace and power. It's written about him, but you know what? Other people around him notice the same thing. Long before this was written, there were people around Stephen that saw something different in him. Look what it says in verse 15. It says, everyone in the high council stared at Stephen because his face became as bright as an angel. Wow. He's full of God's grace and power. And even now, enemies, the high council was, were his enemies at this point. And they're staring at him. And they're seeing him. And his face looks as bright as an angel. Stephen was that affected by grace. He's the real deal. He's a true follower of Christ. He's full of love and mercy and truth. His face shone like an angel's. Probably looked a lot like Jesus. And so how does this man full of grace and power, how does this man whose face looks like that of an angel how does this man act before this ruling religious council here in Acts chapter 6 and 7? Well, I can tell you this. He was no coward in front of them. He wasn't a coward. He stood his ground. 
He stood for what was right. Remember, there's never a right way to do the wrong thing. Truth is truth, right? Right is right. Wrong is... Stephen stood for the truth. He was bold in front of these religious leaders. Let me kind of tell you what's happening here. But I want you to read it this week. Acts chapter 6 and 7. In this passage that you're going to read, you're going to see the extreme contrast between grace and legalism. They're opposite ends of the spectrum. And what you're going to read is Stephen challenging the legalist rejection of Christ with solid truth and reasoning. You see, they, they refuse to accept Jesus because grace is a complete contradiction to what they believe. They, they think somehow these religious ruling leaders think that somehow they're, they're the gatekeepers for God through their legalism. But in fact, Stephen knows, and we now know, people could, they're going the wrong direction. You see, the thought of God's love, the thought of God's grace being poured out through the cross to people that were so undeserving, filthy, dirty, wretched. The thought that God would, would pour out his love to them through the cross, man, it just was so repulsive to them and they could not stand listening. There is no way. You see, God loves people when they keep the law. There were over 600 of them. Laws, rules, regulations that they thought if the people lived and attained to, oh, that surely brings the love of God. Well, Stephen knew differently. And so he began to share with him about this love that flowed from the cross. Worse than that, Stephen tells them and calls them out that they're the ones that are the undeserving that they referred to. (laughs) And that's when they lose it. That's when they begin to, to take matters into their own hands and order him to be put to death. They just can't stand to listen to him any longer. And so they issue the order for Stephen to be stoned to death. And as you read towards the end of Acts chapter 7, there's a couple of verses there towards the end that I think are still just speak so much about who Stephen is. Give us a picture of the grace, the faithfulness, the mercy that this man Stephen had. It says in verse 59, as they stoned him, Stephen prayed, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. And he fell to his knees, shouting, Lord, don't charge them with this sin. And with that, he died. Is that not incredible? A man not caving in, standing still for what he believed is truth. A man that still, even in his final moments here on earth, being pelted, I'm sure bleeding, bludgeoned, and in tremendous pain, praying for those casting the stones. That's grace. That's grace, isn't it? Kind of reminds me of another prayer that happened before this experience. The prayer that our Savior Jesus prayed even on the cross. As he was dying for our sins in that prayer where he asked his Father in heaven, Father, will you forgive them for they do not know what they are doing? Much like that, Stephen interceding for these men that are putting him to death. That's grace. 
That's not holding a grudge. It's grace. So what does that have to do with us? What, 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 what do, do those examples have to do with, with this house and how should we treat and live with one another? Hey, listen, can I just say, I think that this house should be the most grace-giving environment filled with the most grace-giving people in this area. We, 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 we should be the most receptive, the most welcoming, the most willing to pray with one another at the end of services and receive prayer and encouragement. We, we ought to be the most grace-filled, grace-giving people in all of this area. Listen, if people can't find grace in the house of God, they won't find it anywhere else because the world doesn't get it. Listen, I know that that's God's desire and that's my desire. But listen, I'm a realist also. And I know that it's hard in environments like this to live this. Because you know why? Because it's made up of people. You and me. It's not just my fault. (laughs) It's yours as well. It's made up of people. You know why? Because we're all broken and flawed, aren't we? We all have junk and funk in our lives. We, 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 we all stumble and struggle and we, we, we have our own opinions and selfishness rises up and, and we, 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 we don't consider other... I mean, we, we, just, we, we don't have it all together, do we? Does anybody... Is anybody here perfect? And maybe you could become the poster child for us. This thing called grace. We've got issues, don't we? Tell your neighbor right now, look at them in the eyes. Stare at them and say, you have issues. We all do. But guys, we're to be grace givers. Now listen, this does not mean, say does not. This does not mean that we should turn our backs lightly to sin. That we should kind of brush it under the rug say, oh, you're okay. Shake it off. We, 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 we cannot take sin lightly. It does not mean that we should not respond to to the lies of our culture or to the falsehoods that they're propagating. It does not mean, listen, right is always right. And I think for far too long the church has been silent because we don't want to ruffle anybody's feathers. Remember last week I talked about unity and truth? We know what the truth is, but for the sake of unity, (coughs) excuse me, so many people just say, oh, we'll compromise because we want to all get along and sing kumbaya and live happily ever after. And so we sacrifice things of what's truth. I'm telling you, God created man and woman. And it's easy for me to choose which bathroom to go into based on that. And I may take the heat over that, but I'm sorry, there's truth. It's the truth of Scripture. I'm not making that up. Don't we compromise? Now, on the flip side, let me remind you of this. We should be repulsed and hate sinful living and lies and falsehoods by the enemy. Absolutely. But folks, let me just remind you that that's who you were when Jesus died on the cross. And for us to turn our nose up to people that are living waywardly and sinful lives and just say, oh, You repulse me. That's not grace giving and that's not who Jesus was. And that's not who this house will be either. We're going to love people. 
We're going to love them so much that we want to see them delivered from their wayward thinking and living. Are you with me? Listen, listen. Yeah, that's good, Dave. I like that. That means this is a key moment of our service. Listen. And, and I don't want you to feel bad about this, but I, I know some stuff about people every Sunday I'm on this platform and I preach. I do. I know some stuff. I don't know it all, but, but I know that on any, any given Sunday when I'm standing here preaching, I know that there are husbands that don't love their wives the way that God wants them to. I know that we got some dudes in the house that are probably cheating on their spouses. I know that we've got some kids that wish they could trade their parents in and get some new ones. I know we got people that are sleeping around out of wedlock. I know we got people in this house that, 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 that financially they're, 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 just, they're making poor choices or they're cheating. I know that we got people that are, that are addicted to things besides Jesus, as the song would say. I know that. But can I just tell you something? That drives me to want to preach the truth of the gospel even more and to share with people the difference that Jesus can make. You see, the difference that our culture needs is not going to be found in the self-help or self-improvement section at Barnes & Noble. It's going to be found through the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's why I preach. And so does my heart break over any list of those? Absolutely. But I tell you what, I love you despite all that crap in your life. And my goal is to see you delivered from that. Does that make sense? So yeah, we, we hate sin, but man, our love for people is what drives us to be grace givers and show them who Jesus is. Does that make sense? So how can we be gracious? Well, let me share with you, first of all, a couple of verses that I want you to memorize. And it's almost time to go. You guys have been great. A couple of verses. How many of you memorize Scripture? Anybody? Anybody memorize Scripture? Awesome. 8, 8.30 service. No one raised their hand. No one said yes. We need to pray for them. They're horrible. Don't ever come to 8.30. That's the sinner service. No, I'm just kidding. I'm joking. I'm joking. I'm joking. couple of verses in Ephesians chapter 4 verse 29 don't use foul or abusive language let everything you say be good and helpful so that your words will be an encouragement to those who will hear them that's a great verse isn't it don't use foul or abusive language let everything you say be good and helpful next verse verse 32 be kind to each other tender-hearted forgiving one another why because the pastor preached a stellar sermon on it nope you're going to forgive, be kind and tenderhearted. Why? Because just as God through Christ has forgiven you. Hey, listen, the next time you want to hold something against somebody or get torqued off at them or, 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 or get, hey, I just want you to remember your response first. And I want you to remember how God has responded to you. Grace is God giving us what we don't deserve. If there's anyone in the course of history that probably had the right not to forgive us. It's our Father. But aren't you thankful that we worship a gracious God today? And so how can we be gracious? Real quick, let me list some things for you real quick. Speak words intended to build up, not to bring down. You know that you can build somebody up or tear them down with your words, right? 
Let's build people up. Let's focus on the needs of others rather than our own needs. Ooh, it's not about you. Tell your neighbor that right now. This is not about you. Hey, what if we freely forgive? Let's do that. Let's swallow our pride and say, I'm sorry. And let's say those words that author Fonzarelli struggled with. I was, I was, I was wrong. By the way, did you know that Arthur Fonzarelli is a relative of Pastor Howard Hayworth? Stand up, Howard. Let them see you. No, stand up. Don't just, I didn't say put your finger up. I said stand up. Don't you see the Fonz right there? Look at That's Fonzie. Pastor Fonzie. We have Pastor Christian and we have Pastor Fonzie. Hey, number, let's go to the next one. Don't keep score of what is fair. And then don't condemn or give up on people. Can I just tell you something? We are not going to give up on people. There is no one too far gone in which God's love can't reach them. Did we not just sing that earlier today? I want to ask you to stand with me this morning. And I want to ask us to do something pretty crazy. Our prayer ministry team is going to come and join me down front. And we, we, we do this every week. We want to pray with you and encourage you. In fact, there's someone here this morning that needs to say yes to Jesus for the very first time. I want you to come and find somebody right now and tell them, hey, I want to ask Jesus to be my Lord and Savior. Or maybe you're here today and you, you may want to come to somebody and say, hey, you know what? This thing called grace, I'm carrying around bitterness, rage, and anger over something and I've been carrying around far too long. Maybe you just want to come down and maybe you want to say to Pastor Robert Chester, hey, Pastor Robert, would you... I just need to declare this because, guys, in declaring something, there's healing that happens there, right? You've got to own it. And in declaring what it is that's crippling you, healing takes place. Right, Pastor Robert? Maybe you want to declare that and receive a word of recurrence. Hey, here's the deal. Maybe there's somebody here in this room that you're holding a grudge against. Or they made a decision or said something and it upset you and you're mad at them and it's causing you to look at them a little bit differently. Here's what we're going to do. Dave's going to continue to play about 60 seconds. And I want you to move to that person and say, I need you to give me grace. Will you please forgive me? Or maybe you come today and say, hey, I need to receive Jesus as Lord and Savior. Or maybe you would come today and say, Johanna, listen, I'm holding this and I need you to pray with me so that I can be healed from it. As Dave plays, you move right now. Father, I want to thank you for the grace and love and mercy that you give us. We're so undeserving, but yet, God, you've given it to us freely and we thank you for that. Father, I pray that we too would be like you in this area, that we would be grace givers. Lord, I'm praying for that person right now that needs to receive your love and grace for the very first time. I pray, God, that they would come forward and say yes to Jesus. And Lord, I'm praying for those of us that are carrying around this anger and rage and bitterness, hatred. God, let us lay down the spear today and give grace. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you. You're dismissed.